Welcome to the Natural Health Rising podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. I'm here to deliver you weekly episodes where you will hear conversations with health experts and solo episodes about functional medicine and all things holistic health. My goal is to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need in order to help you rise to your healthiest, happiest self. Welcome to today's episode with myself and Melissa Rose. If you have an autoimmune disease, a mystery illness, you have big challenges with your health, you're going to want to listen to this episode because Melissa and I talk a lot about parasites, which can be a common cause for a wide variety of health issues and can even be a big trigger for mystery illnesses and autoimmune diseases. And you're going to hear a little bit more about Melissa's story, which is really interesting because she had multiple sclerosis to a point where her doctor was telling her that she needed a wheelchair. And now she's walking, thriving. She's got an awesome life and she is running her own practice, helping people with autoimmune diseases and and complex illnesses. So you definitely want to listen to this episode. You're going to learn all about parasites, where they are in the body, how to take care of them, where we get them in our environments, how to prevent them. And then we'll also dive into nutrition a little bit, talking more about food sensitivities or food triggers that can cause a lot of health problems, how to avoid food sensitivities, and actually then how to reintroduce them as well. I know a lot of people think that once you have a food sensitivity, that's it. You can't eat that food ever again, but this is not true. Um, You should be able to eat a lot of food sensitivities eventually. There's just a process to that. So we'll talk a little bit about that today and even some lifestyle tips and supplement recommendations to optimize digestion. So I think you're going to love this episode because it's packed with really wonderful information. And a little bit about my guest today, Melissa Rose, AFMP, INHC, AADP, is an applied functional medicine practitioner specializing in autoimmune disease, complex illness, mystery illness, and rare autoimmune conditions. So with over a thousand clients served, Melissa has established herself as a high-level practitioner for advanced autoimmune clients at Sagebrush Wellness. She's the founder and CEO of Sagebrush Sagebrush Wellness and AutoimmuneRecovery.org. And Melissa is a sought-after speaker, educator, and practitioner mentor. She has made notable appearances at the annual CellCore Conference, the Symptom-Free MS Summit, and the MS Fitness Challenge. She is the host of the Reimagine Autoimmune Recovery Summit and conducts weekly roundtable discussions and monthly educational webinars. Melissa's expertise and dedication have made her a trusted resource in the field of functional medicine. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into our discussion today because we actually do pretty similar work. Um, You know, you work with a lot of people with autoimmune diseases and and mystery illnesses, as do I, and the super complex cases as well, which I really love. So to start off, I would like to hear what got you into this in the first place? And, you know, what was that journey that led you to helping these types of people? So... I really love this question because it it 
creates the foundation for kind of the passion and the <laughs> inner knowing that I know people can get better, right? Mm -hmm. So my journey began with a multiple sclerosis diagnosis when I was 33. And that was something that had been growing and coming and developing since I was about nine years old. At the time of my diagnosis, there was not much left happening on my left side. There wasn't much feeling. Um, actually, there was no feeling. There wasn't a lot of feeling left on my right side. Not being able to walk very well. Mm. Actually, in the appointment with my neurologist, when I got my diagnosis, one of his suggestions was for me to get a wheelchair immediately because I was unsafe to be walking. Um, he also shared with me that because of the progression of the type of MS that I had, very likely I would be bedridden by the time I was 45 and, and would have passed by the age of 50, I'm 47, <laughs> <laughs> and feel the best that I ever have. Seriously, the best that I ever have. I never thought that was possible. Mm -hmm. Knowing that and having walked through that path of both illness for all those years, but also recovery instilled this really deep, deep knowing inside that we can be well, even from like these big, hairy, scary diagnoses that, you know, when you look on Google and you do all your research, there's no, there's no cure. There's no recovery. There's no coming back from them mm -hmm. and just settle in hope to manage the symptoms. So that's why I started into this work is because I thought I'm no special person. I'm just me. I'm a normal, regular person gal, mm -hmm. if I can get better, other people can get better. And quickly followed on the heels of that was, how can I learn to help others be well? And that's what's fueled my work and my hunger of learning and mm -hmm. love for what I do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Um, I'm I'm sure it's a, a very long story, but can you give us some tidbits of what was it? What were the key ingredients that got you from pretty much almost having to be in a wheelchair to being vibrant, healthy, uh, moving just fine, and now operating this this successful practice? So, what were those uh, some of those steps that you took? I think one of the most important ones to be honest, was the decision to try working with a practitioner who wasn't a specialist, a medical doctor. I mean, he was a doctor, but a doctor of chiropractic and natural medicine, which for me was so outside of my purview. I'm like, what? <laughs> mm -hmm. But the part of that that was the most pivotal, I think, was Choosing to invest in me, choosing to try, mm -hmm. choosing to say, okay, what if this does work? And then leaning in and doing the work. So choosing 
to say, I need, I want. <laughs> and then like, there were a whole host of things that we, you know, layers that we peeled away. The very first step was food sensitivities, finding those, taking those out of my diet, just that and optimizing my digestion, really bringing some balance, a little bit of balance to my immune system. Mm -hmm. really started the ball rolling for me. I had such a heavy, heavy candida overgrowth going on. I had toxicities, you name it. But the first layer that did the most for me in the moment was the food sensitivities and really working on the gut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had, I had a really similar experience too with my autoimmune disease was the first thing that the the first practitioner I ever worked with made me change my diet. And then yes, yep. we started taking supplements and working on mm -hmm. gut health. And it took me years of working with different practitioners and doing different things, mm -hmm. and heavy metals and candida, et cetera. Um, All but fun things. Yeah. But I noticed that same, like sometimes, you know, I don't, I really don't think for most people it, with that serious of an illness, nutrition is like the end all be all, but it can make a massive difference. Like 50% better, 60% better. Like it can really, really change mm -hmm. things for people. So I think that's such a good starting place for so many people because you can control it every day, right? Like we control we get what, to we, do what this. we, yeah, what we put on our <laughs> fork three, three times a day, sometimes more. So, yeah. um, such a good starting place. Yeah. And what are some, um, what are some common things you see with your clients as being the root causes of triggering their autoimmune diseases outside of nutrition? I really love this question because it's so varied. It's so varied. It can, it can range from somebody having a really bad illness when they were young and having like six months of antibiotics or, you know, contracting something crazy and sometimes not crazy. Sometimes it was just a really bad case of bronchitis, but mm -hmm. it hung on and hung on. Or it can be uh, a, an exposure of some kind that maybe they didn't even realize they were having. I have, I work with kiddos sometimes too. And just thinking back to a young lady that her body was you know, at six, her entire body was covered with a rash that just she would scratch until she bled. Mm. But it was a mold exposure at school. But most of the time when we're kiddos, you know, especially when I was growing up, my mom would have never thought of that. She would just have, you know, taken me to the, do the doctor and given me cortisone and, you know, all the things. Mm -hmm. But it can also be other types of traumatic events, not necessarily traumatic emotional wise, which that one is a major trigger for autoimmune, but triggering to the body. So we have to think about those kinds of things, but I see there's generally a beginning point for when the body begins to get off balance and it can be a wide range of things. Mm -hmm. What about parasites? What are the signs of a parasitic infection? Sometimes there are none. Mm. Other times there are very clear ones, like people have already experienced seeing them in, in the toilet. Um, another very clear one is anal itching. 
Another clear one is diarrhea or constipation, you know, just kind of going back and forth mm -hmm. or constant constipation. Diarrhea sometimes all on its own can be triggered by that. Um, stomach pain or gut pain that just that moves around. Mm -hmm. Joint pain that moves around. Um, grinding your teeth at night. That's a huge one. Mm -hmm. Um anal itching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Skin breakouts. Generally that is tied at least in some way to that. Anytime we have body pain that moves, whether it's in the joints only or in the muscles, a lot of times that is a, a thing, but often when we have neurological symptoms, that is, there's other things that can drive that, but often parasites can be a piece of that. Okay, so what are some of the more common parasites and where are they hiding out in the body? Because if they're, if you're saying that the pain is migrating, then the parasites must be in different places. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, anywhere blood can go, a parasite can go because that's their highway. Mm -hmm. I wanna take a quick break to share a biohacking tool that will revolutionize your well-being. Cozy Red Light Therapy. Imagine being able to accelerate your body's natural healing processes, boost your energy, and rejuvenate your skin all through the power of light. Cozy Red Light Therapy brings this vision to life. Their cutting-edge technology harnesses the potency of red and near-infrared light to stimulate healing of wounds, scars, and acne, improve joint and musculoskeletal health, reduce inflammation, support your hormones, and enhance your overall vitality. Whether you're looking to amplify your fitness routine, enhance your skin's radiance, or simply recharge your energy levels, Cozy Red Light Therapy is your gateway to a brighter and healthier you. When I consistently use my red light machine from Cozy, I notice improvement in my muscle recovery post-workouts, more clear, healthy skin, and better sleep. The best part is that as a valued listener of the Natural Health Rising podcast, you get a 10% discount on all Cozy products. Just remember to use the code NATURALHEALTHRISING, that's all one word, NATURALHEALTHRISING, during checkout on their website, CozyHealth.com, spelled K-O-Z-E, health.com. Elevate your well-being and embrace the transformative benefits of light with Cozy Red Light Therapy. If you will. I know it sounds gross, mm -hmm. but yeah. like when I, I, I start working with clients, we always start with the parasites in the digestive tract because those guys are the ones that are stealing the most from us that are absorbing our nutrition that because they're present and how they're latched on to the digestive system, they're causing continued trauma or stress to that tissue. They are contributing to leaky gut, which at the very least can be one of the baselines for causing an autoimmune condition. So I always, always start there. We need to move those and really help the gut begin to recover. And then we can work out using other herbs 
and uh, herbal mixes, binders, that kind of thing. Something that I always want people to lean into, though, when we're working on parasites is that we think about them being attached and eating our food, stealing our nutrition, but also they're just like any other critter, any other living thing. They take in and they give out. They take in and they give out. Like we breathe in, we breathe out. Mm -hmm. They're doing the same thing, but what they're contributing to, contributing to us are endotoxins. Mm -hmm. Those endotoxins generally are what are causing the symptoms that we're feeling. So whenever we start doing parasite work, and I see this so much, like somebody's like, oh, I'm going to do this really great two-week parasite cleanse. I'm like, good luck. It's not going to do anything for you, but have fun. Mm. Um, is we always have to use a binder of some sort because when we do start addressing parasites, we need to have some sort of a binder like activated charcoal, zeolite clay, you know, some sort of a binder. There are other stronger ones that I like to use to help bind to those toxins, those endotoxins and help escort those out of the body as we're doing the parasite work. If we do not do that, we can ex exacerbate symptoms. We can get like, if somebody already has a little bit of joint pain and we start moving those parasites, they can have major joint pain. It's not fun. So really paying attention to this and working with a practitioner that knows what they're doing. This is, it's kind of huge because parasites I found to be at the bottom of way more <laughs> conditions than I ever thought when I started working with parasites over, over four years ago. Mm. I would love to hear just a little bit about how the, the self-treatment for the client varies from gut to other parts of the body. Like what's the big difference in herbs there? If you can share a couple of uh, tidbits on that. Sure. I love to vary the herbs. So for example, we always start with the gut. And I like, especially when I'm working with someone who is, has very complex issues going on, we start there because the cells have to be nourished. The body has to walk into some of this deeper work from a place of strength. Mm -hmm. Or we don't have the, the, I want to say ATP, but that's cellular energy, literally, to be able to do this work. So when I start working out, it depends on what we have going on. Like, I love to test, so we're not guessing. Mm. So, for example, I'm working with a, a client that from all, from his health history, from everything going on, it looks like he's got a pretty solid Lyme bacterial infection. So we did a test and he came out clean. So if I would have not done the test, we would have been, you know, spending the next four or six months working on Lyme that he didn't have. So testing is important. I like to test. And when we do that, then I choose herbs and the, um, like the protocol will go along with what their body needs. So if we're working on heavy metals, we'll be using a certain set of herbs and binders. If we're working on bacterial overgrowth or um, you name it, mm -hmm. I choose the herbs to match 
what is going on for the client. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm a little curious about what testing you use because I feel like parasite testing is not always a hundred percent accurate. So how do you approach that? I don't really test for parasites. We're lucky if they show up. I have a, one of the best gut tests I have, uh, is through vibrant wellness mm -hmm. and it is the most sensitive so far that I've seen for parasites, mm -hmm. but even then we'll have, you know, we may have a clean slate for parasites according to, according to the test, yeah. but then we just start working through working on the gut and we use mimosa pudica as one mm -hmm. of our our gut uh, supplements to really support the recovery of the gut lining. And here we see parasites in the toilet. I'm like, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm. But I think one of the reasons it's really hard to test for those, especially we don't test provoked, is that parasites are not interested in leaving. And if they're mm. in a healthy environment and reproducing well, and they love their home, they're not going to go. And we're not going to be able to see them even doing a sensitive gut test. Mm -hmm, mm hmm. Yeah. That's why I, th I think it's really important to look at like their health history and their symptoms and, um, possible exposures and things like that. Mm -hmm. And before we get more into that, I, I, I want to sidetrack to Mimosa Pudica for a second. Um, Mimosa Pudica, it helps heal the gut as well as bind mm -hmm. to, uh, help kind of like dry up the parasites. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Okay. It's very, very gentle and soothing. I like to think of it as aloe vera's cousin <laughs> mm -hmm. because aloe vera as well is very, very soothing, very balancing. Just thinking about, you know, when you have a, a burn on your hand or you get sunburn and you put that on, it's just like, oh, mm -hmm. feels so good. That's what it feels like on the inside as well. Mm. But Mimosa Pudica works in much the same way, but it's very, very effective. And it's a gentle, it's really gentle. It's not hard on our bodies, but it's a very effective um, place to start with intestinal parasites. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how long does it take to clear a parasitic infection? Um, because, you know, there's different parasites. They, they might have different life cycles. So I'm curious on what that, like, how long is that process like? So typically I, when I'm working with somebody and we're just like, we're focusing in on parasites as part of their overall full body work. Mm -hmm. So that'll be one piece. It can take nine to 12 months to go through a full protocol. And by the time we get to the end of that, we may not, we may still be seeing some parasites in the stool. So one of the things to think about when we're doing parasite work is why is that parasite there? Hmm. What created the opportunity for them to come in and stay instead of passing on through and the body be able to just, you know, see ya. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that, often parasites are attracted to a specific thing, like some sort of a metal toxicity, some sort of a bacterial overgrowth, mm -hmm. something that's in the body of, you know, maybe we have plastics in our system. Maybe we have some sort of, you know, maybe we have glyphosate, maybe we have a mold toxicity. Mm -hmm. So 
the first time through when we're working on this parasite work, I'm working on all these other pieces that could be why these buggers are here. So that when we come out the other end, it gives us the greatest opportunity to have fully cleared the parasites. If we haven't, that's when we start doing a little bit more testing. What have we missed? What is still here that we thought we got rid of or we wanted to get rid of? We do another round of testing for, usually it's toxicity testing. What's still here? What do we need to shift? What is not working with this particular client's body that we need to shift? Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I've worked with this piece for quite some time and I've got a young lady that is in childcare and she's been working on parasites off and on for over two years. And one of the reasons that she'll continue to just need to do like a month on, two months off, month on, two months off is she is in childcare. Kiddos are one of the most, uh, how do I say, <laughs> when we're working with kiddos, they have parasites. And every time they sneeze on us or we're changing their diaper or, you know, whatever, and we get it on our hands and if we have a cut in our hands or you name it, we can contract those little buggers. So mm -hmm. she literally is just doing a, a maintenance for herself because she's constantly being reintroduced. Mm -hmm. uh, what are, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, especially if I have um, people that have come through and we've really cleared a lot of parasites and they're doing great, I still recommend that they even, that they either choose to do a, like a full moon cleanse, like three to five days around the full moon, very specific for parasites, or they choose to do like one full month of parasite work three times a year, four times a year, depending on how, you know, they ended up like mm -hmm. a maintenance it's not it's not something that you can just one and done mm -hmm. okay so so once people have gotten through the main um debugging <laughs> they <laughs> yep. should they should do like either once every full moon because parasites are seem to be more active during full moons yep. and that you said that's three to five days or a full month three to four times per year so like quarterly quarterly cleansing yeah. okay yeah yeah and it depends on what they have, like what they experienced in our initial work with parasites as to what we choose as, you know, kind of their maintenance. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are some other ways that people get parasites? Because you mentioned the kids. So obviously, you know, <laughs> changing diapers and we get stool on our hands and things like that. Um, what yeah. are some other common ways? And then how can we avoid getting parasites the best we can? So another place is do dogs and cats, like pets. So many people have pets. And I know uh, most people worm their pets very well. Mm -hmm. However, there can be, you know, reintroductions from that. Another common place is food. Food. And we, I, I don't want us to ever feel like we can't have pets or like we can't eat food, especially fun food that's right. strange or, you know, whatever. And another place is traveling. If we've been out of the country. Um, and a common misconception is that we don't have parasites here. We're not a third world country. Eh. 
know, nearly 100% of the people I work with have parasites. Um, so how to avoid that? The best way is basic hygiene. Paying attention to washing your hands. But the other thing is our bodies. I mean, parasites are not new. They've been around for as long as we have. Mm -hmm. So the best way, the best protection against parasites is to have a healthy body. So if something comes in on the a lovely, lovely sushi meal, your body's like, oh, got it. You've got stomach acid that's strong enough to kill all the bugs. It just goes on through. It was an amazing meal. Your body feels great. No residue. Mm -hmm. But if your body is not able to perform its normal, natural food breakdown and protective, like your protective barriers are not there and just strong, that's when we're a little bit susceptible. So basic hygiene and just good wellness having your body be in an excellent space of health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are such good tips. I think there's a lot that can go into that too. Like stomach acid alone, it's like stress can affect that or H. Oh, pylori huge. infections or mm -hmm. your diet, um, you know, eating habits. There's so many different things mm -hmm. that people can work on in order to uh, prevent things like that from happening. Exactly. And another thing I'm really big on is no shoes in the house because we're walking outside, we're picking up all these things, all the things. And then you're, you know, you walk around your house and you get stool and all sorts of bugs and things all through the house. Even heavy metals can be dragged into the home. Yeah. So I'm really big on that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thinking about that, like a lot of us grew up barefoot and I still love to go barefoot outside mm -hmm. but thinking about that you know wash your feet yeah yeah what about um I want to talk a little bit more about food so mm -hmm. I mean well if somebody doesn't know this there's it's very easy to get parasites in raw fish so as you mentioned like sushi is a really really big place but what if we're getting what if we're going to the grocery store we're buying some fresh produce we bring it home is there an effective way to clean our produce to avoid parasites? Or is it, you know, if we, even if we use certain products, is it kind of inevitable um, that we're still going to consume those? I wish I could say I knew a product that completely cleaned everything hundred percent and we didn't have to worry about it, but I don't. There are some really, really great ones out there, but at the, at the end of the day, do your best and let your body be your protection. Mm -hmm. And on the back side of it, you know, thinking about how to really protect your body and just, you know, if you've done parasite work already, you know, what do you want your maintenance to look like? And how do you really just clean the closet <laughs> once mm -hmm. in a while, you know, really let your body clear and, I guess the main thing that I think about when I think about food and, you know, I don't want us to ever be afraid of food. Mm -hmm. Food is our gift. Food is our lifeblood. Food is what fuels our body. So how, like what we choose at the grocery store, how we clean it, how we prepare it for ourselves, that's really, really important. But at the end of the day, if our bodies are in a really, really good place, 
right. we can eat with confidence. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so parasites and candida and microbes and all these things, very important. Um, but while, while people are doing this, there's definitely some mm -hmm. other important pieces of health and, and you talked a little bit about nutrition, but I'd love to hear from your perspective, what are some big things that people can work on alongside getting rid of those microbes to ensure that they heal their bodies? Mm. So what we choose to put in our mouths is literally how we are fueling our bodies. And it makes a huge difference. So one of the things that I like to think about is food choices. What are we choosing? Is it nutrient dense? First, what are we choosing to put in here, in our mouths? But then how, what happens after we put that in, our chewing? How do we optimize the whole digestive process? Like that's layer number one. But as far as food choices, it varies so much for each person what is going to support them the most. So for example, I have clients that their bodies work the very best on a nearly fully carnivore, carnivore diet. I have other clients that they can't do meat yet. Their body is not able to do that. And they work better, especially at the beginning of this process of their healing journey, using basically vegetables and other forms of proteins. So food choices are important, but also we need to make those food choices in accordance to what our body needs. Mm -hmm. How does somebody know exactly, you, you mentioned like the people who can't eat meat yet. So I'm assuming you're trying to get them there, but how do you know that they are in that place where they feel like they, they should only be eating vegetables in the moment? I do, again, I'm a, I test. I, mm -hmm. I like to do a very in-depth food test, but also do journaling around, you know, when you have this, how does your body feel? Right. And we can tell from the symptoms and the feedback from the body, how that's working or not working in the digestive system. Mm -hmm. So for example, I, uh, a young man that I've worked with for quite some time, <clears throat> excuse me, he was in a pretty bad spot when we started together. And so when we did the food sensitivity testing and the journaling, he ended up with not very many foods that his body could handle right off the bat until we really started optimizing his digestive piece. But he has remained sensitive to beef. Mm -hmm. So it's something that he will probably never be able to enjoy another amazing hamburger or steak, which made him really, really sad, but his body simply cannot do it. Mm -hmm. So knowing those pieces about your body, I mean, when he has it, when he, you know, accidentally, like he's at somebody's house and somebody puts beef broth in something or whatever, you know, something you can't really tell, he feels it immediately. And he has about 36 hours of reactivity to that. Mm. So it's kind of a big deal to understand what your body can handle and what it can't. Yeah. Do you think that he can ever heal that completely? Perhaps, perhaps. And he's getting closer um, the last time he had a oops, it wasn't as bad of reactivity. It was still about the 36 hours, mm -hmm. but his body just didn't like, he didn't have full body hives. He just had some itching. Um, he wasn't puking. He just felt nauseous. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting, his body is getting a little bit better, but he's been off B for almost three years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I definitely, I see that people can, can get rid of food sensitivities. So mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah. but, but everybody's different, right? Like it might take them years where I've seen clients have reaction to let's say eggs, for example. Yeah. And then they didn't eat, you know, they didn't eat eggs for a while. Six months later, they heal their gut. They do all these things and they can eat eggs again. But then, yeah, yeah, but then you have these people, um, even me, I used to not be able to eat eggplants or tomatoes or my joints would swell. And I was like, I am not doing that. And so I didn't eat that for (laughs) a very long time. But Mm -hmm. now my body has regenerated so much and my immune system has had so much time to heal and, and rebalance that I can... I don't eat tomatoes every day, but if I have tomatoes, I'm fine. So yeah, it's really cool how the body can uh, rework itself with the right support and also taking out these things for a while sometimes. Yeah. 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 The same with gluten. Like gluten was one of my major triggers when Mm -hmm. I was so sick with multiple sclerosis, but now I can have it once in a while. I don't Mm, really once in a while. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the taste of it. But if I'm at somebody's house or we're out to eat and there isn't any options that are gluten-free, my body's fine. Yeah. Yeah. How do you explain that to your clients? How do you, how do you teach them, um, how to figure out maybe how frequently they could dip back into those things after a while? I get this question a lot from clients. I'm just curious on on your end. (laughs) So one of the things I like to do is really lean into like for example it depends on how like big or how reactive the body was to a food Mm -hmm. so say if they were mildly reactive we take it out for three or four months solid and then generally we can bring that back in but i use a very specific reintroduction method so for example if i'm going to use something silly um say somebody can't have you know, asparagus, their body was mildly reactive to that. And so they've taken it out hardcore for three to four months. It's one of their favorite foods ever. So on the reintroduction, we have three days of asparagus hard, like every meal, Hmm. as much as they can bring in. Because if there's reactivity, we won't miss it. Yep. Um, the same thing, if somebody is doing dairy or whatever, when we do an intentional reintroduction, it is hard for three days, everything they can think of. And it's kind of hard when you've been avoiding that you have to have, you know, I'm using dairy now as the, um, example, you have to have milk in the house. You have to have cheese. You have to have, you know, yogurt, all the things that you used to eat bring them Mm -hmm. back in and just really hardcore three days will know. The other thing that I like to lean into is the client's intuition. Literally, if they're like, I don't think I'm ready yet, then they're not ready. Mm -hmm. And just let that go as long as they need to, because there's always going to be an oops. There's always going to be a, you know, oh my gosh, I didn't know there was X in the meal. And I, it's, it's either I felt it or, oh, I was okay. <laughs> right. So 
there are various ways to do it, but the reintroduction method of really going hard for those three days, like we don't miss it. A lot of people want to just drip it in a little bit, a little bit. Am I okay? Am I okay? No, that doesn't work. Because if your body just has a little tiny reactivity, you may not even see it. But then you bring it in full swing. And then here they are right back with the symptoms that that food was causing for them. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. One more quick question about optimizing digestion. So I'm sure you have a process with testing for this, but what about people, uh, just generalized lifestyle tips or supplements? How could people optimize their digestion better? I'm interrupting today's show to share information that will change the way you shop for supplements forever. We all know the convenience of picking up supplements from your local drugstore or even a large retailer. It's easy, it's quick, and it's seemingly affordable. But let's delve beneath the surface here. Did you know that many of these widely accessible supplements can harbor questionable ingredients, harmful additives, artificial fillers, and honestly, subpar quality? This is the unfortunate reality of a market driven by convenience and profits. That's why I stand firmly behind the Fullscript dispensary. This is a sanctuary of supplements handpicked by experts with a relentless commitment to purity and potency. When it comes to your well-being, compromising on quality is just not an option. Every supplement available f- through Fullscript is rigorously vetted, ensuring you receive only the best. This is actually the same dispensary I use for my personal supplements and it's where I handpick supplements for all of my clients. As a listener of the Natural Health Rising podcast, when you create an account through my exclusive Fullscript dispensary, you get 15% discount on all supplements. So ditch the subpar supplements and embrace the professional grade quality supplements with Fullscript. To get started, simply go to the Fullscript link in the show notes and make your own account. The 15% savings on premium supplements will automatically be applied to all of your selections. And remember, it's always important to talk to a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine practitioner like myself before starting any new supplements. Ooh, so the very, very first thing is not drinking a lot of liquid with your meal Mm. and chewing well, Mm -hmm. chewing well and giving your body a space to be at rest when you have the meal. So for moms, that's hard because we're walking and feeding kids and we're, you know, (laughs) we never have any warm food. It's always, you know, two bites here and one bite there, Mm -hmm. but giving yourself intentionally giving yourself a space of rest when you eat. If you're at work, wherever you are, giving your, just sit down, shut things off, walk away to a quiet corner and have your meal. That's one of the biggest things. Another thing is starting to incorporate apple cider vinegar in the morning. I know it's yucky, but having between one and two tablespoons in water first thing in the morning to really get your gut going, your stomach acid starting to happen. Um, And one of the best, best, if you want to talk about supplements, one of the best supplements would be digestive enzymes. Mm -hmm. Something broad spectrum that supports 
the stomach acid, bile flow, mm-hmm. and enzyme production, not just pancreatic enzymes. Yep. That would do be you- a beginning layer, but mm-hmm. I think if any anything that we can do would be just the simple lifestyle change of choosing what you eat, not drinking a lot, and with your meal and eating in a space of rest and remembering to chew. The chewing. I think the chewing is so hard for people. <laughs> we all right? eat way too fast, way too fast. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I we're love- taught like in school, we have this much time to right. eat, you know, mm-hmm. so you're gulping down what you can. So you have time to go to the playground before you have to go back to class. Mm-hmm. I mean, it starts even there. Mm-hmm. Or at home when everybody else is done and you're the last kid at the table and you're eating and your mom's like, okay, we got to go. And there goes your plate and you weren't done yet and you're still hungry. So, you know, it starts early on and people that are, you know, in the service, they, what, seven oh. minutes to eat a full meal? Like what? Were you in the service industry too? Um, or- No, I'm talking about service like... um the army or something. Like ah, that. okay. Like, okay. They get this much time to eat. I've well, worked with quite a few servicemen and uh-huh. women, and it's just like to retrain that to slow wow. down to eat is like, wow. Yeah. I, I was, um, a server and a bartender for a long time when I was younger, as I was yeah. going through school as my job. And yeah. um, you don't get breaks actually no, at all. No. You you just have to run to the kitchen, shove a few spoonfuls in your mouth, run back to the go. bar and then do mm-hmm. it again. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I've learned a lot. I've been traveling full time for the past like seven or eight months uh-huh. and spent a lot of time in Europe. And, you know, they take a few hours sometimes to eat their meals and they, you know, yeah. they're always eating with other people and having a nice conversation and eating very slow. Mm-hmm. And I think we can take some, some tips from them with some of these things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or having a, you know, an hour after we eat to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They take the siestas. <laughs> yeah i like those yeah me too. Uh, yeah well this has been such a good conversation um i'd love to wrap up with a speed round so this is just a few questions answer first thing that comes to your mind okay awesome what is one supplement you can't live without digestive enzymes mm-hmm. what's your favorite thing to do for stress reduction Meditation. Any specific type of meditation? I like to use guided simply because Mm -hmm. I have a terrible squirrel brain. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I like those as well. Um, If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh my. It would be to plant a seed of hope in each person's heart. Oh, that's so world. that's so sweet. I love that. Um, what's your favorite hobby? Oh, hanging out with my husband, doing mm-hmm. fun things, seeing new things, going new places. Mm. Final question. If you could leave the listeners with one tip that they could implement this week to help them live a healthier, happier life, what would that be? Be grateful. Live in gratefulness. 
and mm-hmm. thankfulness. Live there with intention. If you need to start a journal, if you need to put it on your phone, spend like literally I have, I have, um, Oh, is that your husband? Yes. That's my husband Aww. cooking for us. Uh-huh. Um, I have, um, alarms throughout my day. Those are my gratefulness alarms mm. in between client sessions in, be- you know, before in between and after to stop for just three to five breaths and settle into gratefulness. It changes your day. Mm. That's so good. Well, thank you so much. This has been, um, very helpful, I'm sure, for many people out there with autoimmunity and a variety of symptoms and challenges that we've talked about today. So how can people connect with you? How can they find you? So the best place to find me is at autoimmunerecovery.org. We are launching, we just launched a really big initiative that we're going to be kind of activating in layers, but autoimmunerecovery.org is the best place to find us. And if you you're leaning in and you're going, oh, okay, I would love, love, love to work with that gal or her team. On every page, we've got a link for you to be able to book in for an introductory call and just see if we're a good fit. See if you're a good fit for us. We're really quite choosy about our clients because we want them to succeed. And in that very first call, it's literally a coaching call to help you really understand, are you ready to do this work? And then if you're not ready to do this work, How can we help you with simple, simple um, directives or recommendations or suggestions to help you get moving towards that readiness? So whether it's to work with us or somebody else, we have to be in the place where in our mind, in our heart, and in our body, we're ready to do this work. Mm, I definitely agree with that. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Melissa. This has been amazing. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Mm -hmm. Thank you for tuning in to the Natural Health Rising podcast. I hope you found this episode informative and left you feeling empowered to take control of your health naturally. As a reminder, the information provided in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness or medical condition. Please consult with a qualified healthcare professional before making any changes to your diet, exercise routine, supplements, or medical treatment. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Comments and ratings help the show reach more people so that they too can level up their health and entire life holistically. I really appreciate your support and feedback. Before I go, I want to remind you that I work with clients virtually all over the world. So if you are searching for a functional medicine provider to help you uncover the root cause of your health issues and have support and guidance in healing your body through nutrition and lifestyle changes, then you can book a free health consultation with me by using the link in the show notes and we can talk about working together. Thanks for listening and keep striving to become your healthiest, happiest self.